Welcome to the Picky Girl Travels podcast, the show for Black women who want more out of life and to live it as they see fit. The message here is all about defying convention, embracing adventure, and regretting absolutely nothing. I'm your host, Adelia Borashade of the blog PickyGirlTravelsTheWorld.com. What does it mean to be successful to you? Like, have you given any thought to what that means specifically for you in your life? Like, how you're going to know that, yes, you have achieved success? Um, You know, if we're not careful, we can dedicate way too much of our life achieving somebody else's version of success. I know a little bit about that personally. Um, Like my guest today, I got caught up in living my life according to the way society said I was supposed to do. You know, I did all this stuff. I tried to check all the boxes. It took me a really long time to get to the point where I am now, where I'm living life on my own terms. I wanted Kenya to share her story because she's like, she's figuring this out at a much younger age than I did. I wanted, I want y'all to see what this process could look like, you know, I would normally start with uh, an introduction, but I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss for how to introduce you. So, how would you introduce yourself? Oh, so I, what I would really say is I am a life coach who specializes and also certified financial coach as well. And so I do talk a lot around abundance, like the abundance mindset. And I also talk about financial freedom. So to tie it all together, um, I coach unfulfilled women of color um, reach their financial freedom so that they can live a more purposeful and fulfilling life. Um, and, And coming like a part of that is shifting to this abundance mindset and being aware of the limiting beliefs that we have so that, you know, when we accomplish these goals or we're on the way to accomplish these goals, we can be more resilient through the challenges, whether they're mental or or actual uh, challenges in reality. That that's perfect. That means you are the perfect guest for this podcast because the 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 picky girl travels podcast was created uh, for Black women who were unfulfilled, who are looking to live life on their terms. Uh, I've worked very hard to talk to women like you who are doing it, who have done it, or who can help women do it. So we're, we're, we're right on the, uh, the same page here. But in thinking about the description of what you do, you can kind of see why it's very difficult to sort of package that in a nice little neat box. <laughs> yes, it is. And I too have been struggling to how to package it in a neat box. Okay. Um, you are currently 26. I am 27. 20. Yes. I just 27 in January. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. You might be the young, are you the youngest guest that I've had? I don't know. Not that it matters. Not that it matters, but <laughs> up until 
uh, based on my research, based on what the internet tells me, uh, mm -hmm. up until about a year ago, your story seemed pretty typical. You know, you went to college, you graduated, you went to graduate school, um, you had lots of student loans, you had credit card debt, you know, you were living the the quote unquote American dream where you, you got a job and you're working to pay those bills and do all of that stuff. Um, yeah. And then I kind of took a, took the, took a, the, the road less traveled. Yes. That I love the way you said that you took the road less traveled. So my first question is what, what changed, what, you know, what made you veer off the, the typical American path? Right. When I started to realize that the things that I wanted, I didn't want for me, I wanted for everybody else. So before I veered off, the, the goal and the plan was to get my doctorate in education. And I kept struggling to figure out, you know, why I wanted it or what did I, what I even want to discuss. Like I had different ideas. Um, that I wanted to discuss for my like dissertation and stuff. I hadn't applied or anything yet, but it was just like, if I'm really going to spend, you know, three at most to, at most to six years on in, back in school on this degree, what's the real reason? And people would ask me too, like my mentors are like, why do you want to get a doctorate? And really it was like, one, I want to get a doctorate before I'm 30 because I've, I've set this, this goal because someone told me that I couldn't. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And two, I was like, literally just for career advancement. And so when I started to realize like, that's really not good enough to, to sit through classes, to write this long behind paper, that's when I started to realize like, what are some of the other things in life that I was striving for, like striving for or working toward that had nothing to do with me? And what do I actually want to do? And so um, I will say that it wasn't this fun period of let's rediscover yourself. It was very, um, it was very, sh it shook me a lot to my core, I would say, because, you know, as a young person, also a child of an immigrant, and to that point had followed the, the path, I didn't know what else there was to do. I, I had seen other people do other things, like people who left their job and traveled abroad and, and did the stuff, but I didn't think that that necessarily that I could do it sometimes. Like, you know, of course I know that there's so much that goes into it. And I'm like, is that, am I really capable of doing those things? So I said, it shook me because really I was shedding an old identity and old beliefs about who I was and what I wanted. And I had to pinpoint, oh, I don't actually like cherry pick. I don't actually want that. Something like my parents wanted that, or I don't want that. I think society wants this or my friends want this or blah, blah, blah. And so it was, it was a, a I, I would say all of winter 2019 um, and into like early 2020, right before the pandemic was a very dark time for me because I was shifting through the unknown of what's next and what do you really want to do? And, and also grappling with the fact that I was really, really unhappy. I, at the point I, I had my dream job, I was living in, I wouldn't say my dream state or a dream place. And um, I was good, you know, but it wasn't fulfilling me. And so I'd reached this point of like, well, then what is it going to be that makes you happy? Like, why are you unhappy? 
Um, and it was because it, none of it was aligned. None of it was for me. And, and I wanted to try something else, but there was all this fear and these unspoken, like sometimes made up expectations and pressures in my mind. But I think actual real pressures from like loved ones um, and, and even like my bosses and coworkers and stuff like that. So long answer to that kind of question. No, it, that is your truth. And that that's totally fine. I think a lot of the women listening to this will be able to see some of themselves in that response. Um, would you say that you were burnt out? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because when I, you know, went to address someone who'd been in my field for a very long time about it, I was like, I feel really burnt out. How do you address this in the field? And it was an education, which is very often you do get burnt out. But what they told me is like, um, how much of that burnout came from me? Because like no one in, no, my boss was not telling me like, oh, I got to join all these committees and, and, and get all these awards and do this and this and this amount of time. My boss never told me that. I, I, I understand that. But also I think there's some, some truth to say that those things would be rewarded or you would be the, the cookie cutter employee to you know be successful, reach all the outputs and do all the extra. Um, so I will say, I think it was both sides. I think I burnt myself out as well. Coming from, you know, a childhood in which education, like getting great grades was the standard in my household. And I was, you know, it was easy for me to do that in K through 12. I didn't really have to study very often. I, I made great grades, um, graduated. I think I was like third in my high school class and stuff. And so, um, so I grew up with that kind of like that nurture and that carried me through college and in my career, my early career. And it hit a point of like, I had to shed it because it, it was not serving me. I was, I was incredibly burnt out. I did not know what rest really was. I had to actually, I was at a point, I was what, 25 and having to have blackout days in my calendar because I was doing the most. Um, whether because people asked me and I said yes, or I added other things to my plate, or because the work just took took so much time and energy. So I was absolutely burnt out. And I would say that I was underpaid and, and absolutely overworked. I think it's really important to talk about that because you, like you said, you were in your mid twenties and already burnt out. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's something that doesn't get discussed enough. Um, and the other part of that is those expectations. Um, because I heard you say like, oh, well, some of them were my expectations, but a lot of those expectations you put on yourself were derived from unspoken expectations that society has yes. for us. Mm -hmm. And so how were you, well, were you able to overcome your burnout? Um, absolutely. Well, hold on. Let me, <laughs> I, I, I would say yes. I think, um, so in, in my particular instance, I took a break like a week off during spring break because the, just the first two months of the year, the academic year, the semester were, um, really stressful for me. They had my biggest program. So I took a break during spring break, which we normally don't do. And, um, but then I never returned to work because stay at home orders were issued in, you know, my county. And so I think that I overcame my burnout because I was able to spend a lot of time at home and really rest. And when I say rest, I mean, just literally like sit around and 
not have to um, put on a mask, put on a face, you know, make that small talk conversation and really not have to show up any place um, besides the Zoom calls, of course. Um, and so I, with the stay at home orders, I had a lot of time, one to, you know, just reflect and process, but two, I, I was again, working very hard. So I, at that point I was, um, building my business while also working my full-time job and, you know, getting my certifications. And, and I ended up really working like 18 hour days, but I will say that didn't make me feel burnt out. And it was because I had the motivation and the fire within me. I'd already reached my breaking point of like, I am absolutely going to get out of debt so I can be financially free. And then I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go travel so I can be like physically free. I'd already reached that point of, I know what I need to do. So that fire was burning within me all throughout the day. And so I felt like I had a really good balance at that time of resting, relaxing, processing, and also doing the work to get where I need to go. I will say though, um, cause right after I did leave my job, the business was already made and, and booming and moving. And so I really didn't give myself that much of a break. And then I moved to Tulum with the intention of like rest and relaxation. And then Tulum kind of blew up as well um, in a good way. And so I, 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 I got through the burnout, but like, I didn't really stop. And so I think now um, a year later, now a year later, I am really focused on like, okay, Kenya, you've come really, really far you can slow down a little bit um, and again, rest uh, uh, some more because you don't want to keep, I always tell people I left one rat race. I'm not trying to recreate another one because who, who do I have to blame for that? It's just myself at that point. So I, I would say I escaped it. And now it's just a matter of keeping myself from continuing that personally. Well, it's a hard habit to break. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about everything in our lives have kind of put us on that path and told us that's where we need to be. So trying to break that conditioning and undo it, that that takes work. And that I, I think your story in particular shows us that it doesn't happen instantly. It doesn't happen overnight. Oh. And it's okay if you have a, a relapse or what have you, because, you know, it's not going to be a one and done and I'm out. Absolutely not. It's a continual journey, even, you know, after you leave a nine to five or if you, after you leave the United States or whatever change that you've created, when you're on the other side of this change, you've created this freedom for yourself from whatever was holding you back. It is, it is just a continual, it's a continuation of the journey. It's just a to be continued. There are still more lessons. There are still more things to uncover. Um, it's just in a different capacity now. And, and sometimes it can be a little bit easier for you to learn those lessons when you don't have whatever that past thing is that was holding you back um, a part of the equation anymore. I think it was very interesting when you said that when you were building your business and you were still working your nine to five, you were working really long days, but you didn't feel the same burnout. You know, you had a drive and that's really about you were putting yourself in a place so that you could live life on your terms. Mm -hmm. So you were working toward that goal that was completely and wholly yours. So yeah, that's going to feel a little different. Absolutely. Now I'm just trying to like come back to that, that back to that fire, because now that I have left that, that condition that wasn't serving me or that life that wasn't serving me. And, and now I'm in the stages of, rebuilding the foundation to the life that I really want, 
I sometimes I want that fire to come back. But also, again, like you just said, I'm trying not to relapse. Um, so yeah, the, the fire is, is helpful. I always say there's a lot of value when you hit your breaking point, when you're like enough is enough. Um, and, or, and like I said, that fire within you to keep you motivated. There's so much value in that. But I think sometimes people feel so uncomfortable in sitting in that, that they don't get to the results or they don't get to the transformation, essentially. They're so uncomfortable with feeling so unhappy or so fed up that they avoid in a lot of different ways. And then in my particular field of work, the avoidance has come through um, spending. You know, you're, you're spending lavishly, you're overspending. And I, I think I definitely exhibited those signs too, which is what got me into credit card debt. Um, but there's, you know, you can avoid in a lot of different ways. You can avoid by overworking. You can avoid by traveling a lot. You can avoid by, you know, being in relationships that don't serve you, um, whether that's friendships or romantic. Um, and you can avoid by spending and eating and overworking a lot of different ways. Um, but I do, I, I would just say, you know, to all the women listening that there is value in the, that uncomfortability. And if you just sit through it and you hold yourself through it, you, you're going to find what you're seeking on the other side. I have a friend who always says that, you know, people need to sit in their discomfort. Mm -hmm. And that is so, so true. Um, you, something else I wanted to, to take a little time and talk about is, okay, so you, you knew you wanted to leave the industry that you were working in. You started uh, your own business. This is pre-pandemic, but the pandemic gave you some space to like pour into that some more. Yeah. But you said yourself, once you freed yourself, you didn't rest. Right. Why do you think that is? Because at that point, um, I felt, although I had so much savings, um, I, I, at that point, I put the pressure on myself, I think. And I think, again, still other messaging of, I got to make it, essentially. You know, I'm this entrepreneur. I just started my business. I got to support myself. I got to reach a six-figure profitable business and get all the clients and raise my prices. And so, it was just go, go, go. And, and, and with this hope of, okay, well, once I make it, or like once I hit the six figures, or once I get these clients, or once my prices are this, then I can finally rest. I can afford to rest even deeper. And really, it's it's absolutely the other way around. Once you rest, you can pour into yourself a little bit more to kind of have the that, I guess I would say, I'll call it a growth spurt, to have that growth spurt, whether that's personally, whether that is financially or within a business um, or a new career, if someone has just transitioned into a new career. And what ended up happening is because I didn't give myself that space for a growth spurt, I actually kind of hit a wall um, around fall of 2020. I, I, I didn't take any clients and I was just like, sitting in Mexico, just trying to figure myself out. And then it wasn't until kind of winter that I got back into it. And so instead of, you know, um, hitting these walls and then taking, being decommissioned for a while, I'd rather start implementing more rest into my daily life so that I'm, I'm already getting my cup filled, as they say, so that the, the, the growth is, can, is consistent, essentially. And so, the, and I, but I didn't realize that until like end of December, 2020. So here I am now um, in the beginning of 2021, and, and I'm very intentional about the routines and the practices that I do for myself every morning before I even enter into like building the business and, and stuff like that. So 
it, it was just a matter of, I just kept going, going, going because I thought I needed to reach this point because it would give me even more freedom. But it was like, girl, you just got free. Like, can you appreciate the freedom you just had so that you can create even more and more freedoms? And I would say that that was rooted in scarcity, the scarcity of, well, what if I end up in the same spot again? What if I end up unhappy again? What if I end up burnt out again? But with, I was so focused on these what ifs that I ended up actually perpetuating them into my real life. And can you, can you be specific about some of the things that you've, you've changed or realigned so that you won't find yourself in that place again? Yes. So many boundaries, so many boundaries and not in like a bad way of like relating to other people, like, you know, kind of sometimes we view, view boundaries as nasty, but boundaries is such like, I know that I am not showing up well enough in these certain ways. So like, I don't take calls until like after and until after I've had lunch and after I've had a little bit of morning quiet time to myself and into the business. Um, I have a very clear like stop working time. I actually just today deleted uh, the Gmail app off of my phone. Um, I try to not be on social media as much. And then me personally, like my daily practice is, um, you know, I wake up, I drink some tea, I, I make sure that I'm reading um, every day because I've always loved reading as a, as a kid and I wanted to bring that back into my life again. It makes me happy. Um, I'm being more active because I know that, you know, it, it helps you mentally. It, it also helps you physically. Um, I'm taking supplements because I'm like, I, you know, I, if I'm not eating everything that I need to in terms of like health and nutrition, then hopefully I can supplement those things. Um, and so just create, I'm literally, I, I, people will say like, you're designing your life. Like I'm literally designing my life with these, with this daily routine that I have and with these boundaries that I've created within my business. And to this, like as, as recently as like this past weekend or a couple of days ago, it, it, I'm telling you, there's so more, so much more uncovering that has been happening around like, oh, this, I've been doing this practice that was not serving me. And now I need to place a boundary around that, or I need to place a boundary around that. And, and I think it, it's easier when you have that self-awareness and this lack of resistance. So like, if you start, if you're doing something that um, like makes you feel really drained, instead of you thinking like, oh, I'm just going to push through it and, you know, soldier through it that's a moment of awareness of like, hmm, why does this conversation or this activity um, make me feel so drained? And how can I either decrease it in my life or reframe it in my mind um, or, or ask for help or create the boundary? So it, at least for me, those have been the things that have helped me to make sure that like I'm not recreating this rat race or recreating um, this burnout. I do think though that I am gonna continue and I still have work to do on like the pressures and the expectations. Um, being a coach, work, working with my own couple of coaches um, and, and you know, CEO, Twitter, entrepreneurship, Twitter, LLC, Twitter, whatever, there is this kind of like storyline. It's a whole nother storyline. We just left one nine to five storyline to enter into another. And the storyline is you gotta be successful. You gotta hit six figures. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta have staff, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, and right now I'm feeling that of like, mm, I don't know if that's really what my motivation is right now. And grappling with, um, well, of course I want that success, but I think I'm going to take my own sweet time and unique way to get to that point. 
Well, I think we have to remember that success is going to look different for everyone. And it's okay if success for you is very different than what it looks like for them folks on LLC Twitter. Um, the other thing that I'm hearing is that this is a process. This is not necessarily something you get there and you've, ha I've reached the finish line and now I am done. Absolutely. And I, for a long time, I did think that was the case. Um, like I thought that, you know, one day you just wake up and you get this certificate of like, you did it, you've aced life. You know, I, I talk about my upbringing and, and kind of being, you know, um, very focused on my studies because that has resonated or that has gone into so many other parts of my life, including where I am right now, where it's like, I'm just striving to get this A plus to know that I have done it, I have perfected it, and there's no room for error. But this perfectionism, um, as I know this, but you know, in practice, it takes time, is really just an armor to avoid hurt and fear and failure in quotation marks. Um, and so when you when you do when you do take that time to like redefine success. Um, but actually implementing that redefinition of success is hard and it is that journey and no one ever is going to, I mean, someone might, but no one ever is going to just tell you, okay, Kenya, you did it. You can just chill out and, and for the rest of your life. And we want that. And we think that's what retirement is going to give us, but then we end up still being unfulfilled. And even if someone were to say that, like, I don't know, a professor or a mentor or whoever, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean much because it is not coming from me, Kenya. It's not coming from inside. So I think you you bring up a good point. I need to um, sit down with myself and be like, Kenya, you made it. There's more to learn, but like you, you know what you need to know. You have the wisdom inside you. You have the tools inside you. Just keep going and keep exploring and picking up, um, you know, these lessons and these experiences in, in life. And, and maybe I just have to tell them, I do have to just tell myself like, Kenya, you did it. So then I can like relax a little bit more. Um, but yes, there is no, and there's no end goal. It is absolutely a marathon, not a sprint. And I know that is so cliche, but it is so, so, so true. And again, we've, we've got to extend ourselves some grace on that. Um, now you mentioned, uh, you know, going to school and you also mentioned uh, that you had credit card debt. And I wanted to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, you know, most Americans are carrying both of those. That's pretty standard. Um, but first I wanna talk about credit card debt. Now, tell me if I read this right you had about $23,000 in credit card debt? Yes, uh, I did. Okay, how did how did that happen? Um, uh, it was through uh, a couple, so definitely through grad school, I put some purchases on credit cards and then I was like, oh, well, when I graduate and get a job, I can you know pay it off in full. And then after grad school, I was, I didn't have a job for four months, which, you know, a part of that was my own doing. I, I was trying to find the right one and I did say no to some positions, but um, so there was that kind of period of supporting myself with credit cards and then moving. So I move, I move a lot, um, but I had moved after grad school, I moved to New York. And then a, a year later I moved to Florida 
And so with that comes expenses, it comes furniture. And so I, I would say this all amassed in about like two and a half, in, within two and a half years. And I kept saying like, oh, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And of course, the ball just kept becoming bigger and bigger. And I vividly remember in 2019, one of my goals was I'm going to get out of this credit card debt. And at the time, you know, I think I was at a good place to, to pay it off and it wasn't that large of an amount, but I didn't do anything. I didn't put any action behind this goal that I had or this want I had. Um, and it, but it, again, I talked about the breaking point. It wasn't until 2020 and I realized because it, so the getting out of credit card debt kind of came second. At first it was, I'm burnt out. I want to be able to quit my job and take a sabbatical so I can rest and, and get back to myself. And of course, how can I, but how can I quit my job if I am paying off this credit card debt? I didn't want to be, as I always tell people, I didn't want to be like in Thailand paying credit cards. Like I didn't want that kind of life. So yeah, that's not exactly. The so, um, so that that's when I was like, okay, the first step to me getting this sabbatical and this dream life is paying off the debt so I can save more money and then, you know, support myself when I move abroad. So that is how it all amassed. And I did go through a period of just talking about it. And it wasn't until I hit my breaking point that I was like, I really got to be about it now. That desire uh, is what kind of pushed you to aggressively pay down that debt. Now, I know there are some people listening to this wondering, how did you do that? Yeah, I love when um, people ask that because I, I like to think of things really simply. And so I would simply put it, how did I do that? Um, I, one, got very, I, I gained clarity around my spending and my income and my expenses. So I, I, I was not a budget user up until this point. I was really just like, I made sure my bills were paid. And then after that, it was whatever happened, happened. Um, so I had to sit myself down and be like, well, how am I spending? What am I spending it on, et cetera. And then I looked at all the expenses that I had and I said, well, where can I cut things or how can I reduce some of my spending? And so obviously I reduced my spending money. Like I was what I was spending on non-essentials. I, and I would say I made sacrifices for sure. I, um, so that meant stop eating out as much. I was definitely bringing my um, lunch to work. I, all of my, like uh, my tax refund went to a credit card. And then at that time, the first stimulus bill uh, or check came that went all towards credit card debt. Um, any extra money I was saving out in that was not allocated towards just the other essentials all went to the credit card debt. And also I got a roommate. So when I, you know, talk about like sacrifice, some people, and I was willing to get a second job if I had to, and you know, if the pandemic did not become a thing. And so I think that when I say there's value in the breaking point is because I probably would not have decided to make those sacrifices and do those things and even think about like, what are all the, like getting a second job if I was in a place of still thinking that, oh, I'll be okay. Like I can make it through. I can make this small, you know, drop in the, in the debt bucket and, and things will happen. And I think people are at that, some, a lot of people are at that stage of just like, I'm gonna make it work. And I'm gonna read all these articles, and I'm gonna figure it out, and I'm gonna do a budget and then like forget about it. And I was at a stage of, I have to make this work. This is my salvation, essentially. So I, I was more open to the different options to help me get out of this debt, which I, you know, when I say like this abundant mindset, I think abundance comes with a lot more creativity as opposed to like 
excuses or re re reactionary things or still like this aspirations of our our actions and and that they're going to magically make things okay so i was at that point where i was willing to sacrifice so i i did that i got a roommate i cut my spending um and and everything went towards debt so i was at a point where i was making around two thousand dollars a month maybe twenty one thousand twenty one hundred dollars a month and um a thousand dollars of that was bills the other a thousand was a uh, credit cards we going right to the debt and i started at the smallest one and i worked my way through um anytime i would pay off a card i um when i say smallest one i mean smallest balance but anytime i would pay off a card the celebration to myself would be small it would not be lavish and i think that also sets people back sometimes too you know they pay off a $2,000 card and then they book a $1,500 vacation. And then you start to feel like, I feel like I just took two steps backwards. So they were small. Like I love personal pan pizzas from Pizza Hut. So that was a major like celebration for me. Um, and I, oh, I reduced travel. I used to travel so much to visit friends. I love a good road trip. Um, I love flying period. And so I told my friends, I was like, I'm not traveling for the rest of this year. You know, I'll send you a card. I'll send you a birthday text. I will, you know, be there in spirit, but I can't do it right now. Um, let's see what else. So yeah, it was really just the budgeting, the reducing my spending and literally being aggressive. You, you prioritize that above the things that you really enjoyed, like traveling and those kind of things. And it was going to be temporary. Yeah. It wasn't like this was going to be the rest of your life, exactly. but it, it just goes to show that when you when you focus on a goal, whether that goal is paying off credit card debt, going to grad school or whatever, if you focus on it and like you said, you get creative and, and get in a space where you're open to looking for creative solutions, you can get it done. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I want more as a coach, I want more people to be in that creative space of like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to achieve this goal. And and of course, they have to connect to what is the larger reason why you want to do this. It has to come from self. And, you know, my larger reason was, like I said, this salvation. So like, yeah, I prioritize it over everything else. And it, but I, I will say, especially as a financial coach, it wasn't to the point where it was restrictive and I felt very um, just unhappy. Like I still had I, I became way more grateful for the small things in life that really did make me more joyful. I still, you know, indulge in. um you know, times like I did eat out still sometimes I did buy my friends gifts for their birthdays and even bought myself some things, but it was just on a, on a smaller scale. And I began to realize like, oh, I'm good with a little bit less. Like I don't need all these things that I think that I need. And so even um, before all of this, I was in AmeriCorps and which is, you know, like the domestic version of the Peace Corps that we say, and um, notably the AmeriCorps volunteers get paid poverty wages. And when I, I was getting paid eight fifty a month at this time, this was right after undergrad. And I saved so much money. I was traveling. I wasn't spending as much. Um, and I was, and I even like paid out of pocket for a surgery that I had. So I knew that um, it's not necessarily about how much money you have. It's about how you use it. And so it was easy for me to prioritize and also still not feel like, oh my God, I hate my life because I can't spend any money. It, it was just different you were able to realize the goal, the dream of being able to live outside the U.S. You mentioned you lived in Tulum. Um, and I know that there are 
a lot of women who want to do that as well, but they have student loans and they don't think that it is possible to move abroad while they have student loans. Yeah, this is a, a common fear. And, and, and I'm going to speak from the context of federal student loans. It is absolutely, I still have student loans. It is absolutely possible for you to move abroad and have student loans um, because that there are so many like like resources or just ways to go around repayment that help you. In my case, I love to advocate for a good income-based repayment plan because usually what happens is when people move abroad, they are bringing in, well, it's diff- this is, I'm thinking about this pre-pandemic, pre-remote working, but they're bringing in less money because they don't, either they're working abroad and they're not getting paid a lot of money or they realize I don't need a lot of money to survive abroad and still have a good life, not just survive, but thrive. And so when you're on an income-based repayment plan, this is based upon your, your tax return with the IRS from the previous year. So if it shows that you're not making a lot of money, then you're going to have a low student loan payment. Um, and, 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 and I'm like, I don't, I really don't understand, um, the fear sometimes because it's like, because at the end of the day, your student loans are going to be with you until you pay them off or until you die. And so I, I feel that people, especially women should go off and live their life, but make the student loans manageable for their life. And I do believe that moving abroad, you can still have student loans and, and pay those off if you're not making a lot of money. Now say you are making a lot of money um, because you 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 work remotely for a company, you make six figures, they let you work remotely. Now it comes into a place of, are your finances in order? Is your budgeting and your spending in order so that you are making sure that you are able to pay the minimum and that be that? Or if you would like to pay it all off right now, because again, you're living better for less abroad. You don't need to spend as much money on living expenses like we do in the United States on a car and car insurance and rent and utilities and internet and health insurance. And and, oh my God, the list is endless in the United States. Abroad, you're not spending that much money just on living. So you're able to save so much money, so much more money that can be spent paying off your minimum or paying off the total balance. And again, like I said, the student loans are going to be there whether you are in the United States or not. So go live your life. Okay. So if somebody is contemplating, you know, going back to school and they're thinking about taking out loans, would you advise against that? Oh, that is knowing what you know now. If I would advise someone else. Um, Yes. Such a good question. Oh gosh, knowing what I know now. Okay, knowing what I know now, I believe that if you really want this degree for whatever, for the reasons that will make you happy, sure, take take out the loan. Because I believe someone who worked in, in college education, college is already outlandishly, in, outlandish in terms of price. And if you cannot afford to pay for it yourself, um, whether in total or even a little bit, go off, go, get, take the loan out. Because when you leave, you know, there, there are options. You can pay, again, you can get on income-based repayment plan. You can, um, you know, try and forbear, defer, whatever uh, for federal student loans. Private student loans are going to make you pay regardless. 
So I, I can't tell everybody what to do with their lives, but if you really want this degree, like a friend of mine is going back, she's getting her doctorate in nursing. I'm so happy for her. I'm sure she's going to have to take some loans out for that, but I'm not judging her or telling her like, no, don't do that. Go ahead and do that. And because I know that she really wants this and this is her career, this is her dream, her passion. Me personally, knowing everything that I know now, um, I would never take another student loan out again because I feel that I have gotten way more from like investing in my business coaches or investing in trainings or investing in experiences and investing in community than I have gotten with my degree. This is not to say that like I don't value my degrees, but if I could do it all over again, I probably would have went abroad after my bachelor's and I would not have gone, gotten my master's or I would have become a licensed something or another so that I could transfer that around the country and sometimes around the world, like being a licensed teacher or being a licensed um, like therapist or social worker or something like that. So I, I never want to take another and I will never take another student loan out unless for some reason I'm like, okay, this is really tied to my, my mission and my purpose and my passion right now. So, so then I'm like, okay, do what you need to do to get where you want to go. I love that um, very much. So, okay. Um, if somebody is listening to this and they're like, you know what? I like her. I, I like her story. I like what she's about. I want to follow her journey. Where should they do that? Oh yeah. Um, they should absolutely follow me on Instagram at Kenya, K-E-N-Y-A period, Imani, I-M-A-N-I. Um, so follow me on Instagram and also view my stories because that's where you're going to get kind of like the more unfiltered, authentic version of me. Not to say that my posts are inauthentic, but like, you know, I'm, I'm talking. I think, I think unfiltered is the word you yeah. want. Okay. Yeah. Unfiltered. Yes. Unfiltered me. Um, yeah. That is the absolute best place um, to, to follow my journey and to be in conversation with me because I'm all about, you know, learning from other people and their journeys and their experiences too. Um, asking advice, asking suggestions, all of those things. I, I welcome it all. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your journey. I am more than a thousand percent confident that some woman listening to this is going to, it's going to make a difference in her life. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely hope so. And I think there's always value in, in someone's story. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And if not, um, it's, it's not everybody may listen and, and, and find relevance, but I know at least one person will. And if not one person, I know that this helped me, you know, being able to be on podcasts and talk to other women is a way that you can process your experiences as well um, and take lessons from them. So again, thank you for this, um, this avenue and this platform that you have. Thank you to everybody who has been listening to the podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. Um, we are now on YouTube. So if you want uh, the podcast episodes, as well as the variety of YouTube videos I've been making, you can subscribe to Vicky Girl Travels the World on YouTube. Um, you can leave to 
other ways that you can support the podcast. You can leave reviews on, you know, whatever podcatcher you're listening to. Um, You can share episodes with people you think, you know, need to hear what we're talking about. Um, But if you've got a little extra change in your pocket and you want to help out financially, you can either become a patron on Anchor, and there is a a link in the description and in the show notes, or I just added... um, buy me, you've heard of buy me a coffee. I don't like coffee. So buy me a hot chocolate. If, like I said, if you've got a little extra money and you want to help a girl out, that's a great way to support the podcast. Um, until next week, y'all.